I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. Great to have you today, and I have a question for you. How are you doing? Uh, has, has life thrown a few things at you? Uh, are you stressed maybe about some things, trying to try just get through life, handle everything, juggle everything at the same time, and, and stay sort of upright? Well, we're going to encourage you today. Uh, my guest is Allie Patterson, and she has a book that just dropped. It's called How to Stay Standing. And uh, I, I picked the background there for the, uh, for the book, and it's, uh, Allie can't see it, but so it's waves crashing against a rocky shore, and there's like <laughs> spray and stuff, because when I think of this, um, I think of just the times in life where, it, like, if you've ever stood, tried to stand in the ocean where there's waves, uh, especially like Pacific Coast, you know, that like, no matter what you do, you got sand under your feet, and you got just these forces going back and forth and it's hard to stay upright and that's sort of the way i picture life sometimes it just it just throws you around well ali's got some suggestions some uh, biblical insight to offer to help you whether whether it's a storm or just the, the way things just change in life that that can knock you down if you're not careful so glad you're a part of the program today if you're watching us live you're invited to be a part of the chat if you're in a chat enabled channel and as always if you know if you know someone who needs a little bit of encouragement hit that share button Allie, great to have you on life today live great to be with you today thanks so much for having me so uh we, we were talking beforehand and you you use this term first time author which congratulations by the way i know that's a, a big accomplishment thank you um, thank you very much why this idea for your first book because i mean the world's open to you you can write about anything you want to write about and you sure can this. yes yeah well um i've actually been talking writing stewing on this idea for many years because it happens to be the actual truth of the story that I have lived in my own life. Mm. It was a classic case of, I lived the truth of something in scripture, and then I figured out, oh, that's a thing in the Bible. <laughs> and Jesus actually talks about the truth that I've already lived. Mm. And so as I put all those pieces together over many years, probably the better part of two decades, mm. it all just became very clear to me that the truth that's at the heart of this book is the truth that my own life and my own story kind of testify to. So it seemed like a natural fit for this idea at this time. And I also think that I am not unusual. I think that most of us understand that this parable that's at the heart of the book is the truth. Mm. And so um, it is one of Jesus's less mysterious parables, but I was seeking to answer like, if that's the truth, then what are we supposed to do about that? How are we supposed to live as a result of that? Yeah, well, um, any <clears> publisher <throat> will tell you, hey, write about what you know. One of the first yeah. rules of writing, write about. So, no uh, doubt. What is this mysterious, not so mysterious, a parable <laughs> uh, that uh, you, you lived 
Yes. Well, it's the parable that Jesus tells at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, and it's called the parable of the wise and foolish builder. And the reason I said it's not very mysterious is because sometimes you read his parables and you're like, hmm, that's a head scratcher. This one's really not like that. The parable tells the story of two builders, both who built a house and one dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock and the other did not. And the storm came against both of them and one stayed standing and one crashed. And so his point to me on any level that you dig into it, um, it's not the truth that's the mystery. It's what do we do as a result of that truth? And that's um, the one line that he gives on the way into the parable is what my entire book is based on. And he says this on the way into this parable. He said, for anyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts it into practice, mm. he is like the man who dug down deep and laid his foundation on the rock. And so the whole book is based around what did Jesus mean when he said, come to me, hear my word and put it into practice because therein lies the secret of being the wise builder. And yeah. so that's what the, that's what the book really seeks to uncover is what, what does he mean? And, and how do you actually do that in a real life with a real faith in the middle of real messes? What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and it is funny how we read, you know, a few words of wisdom and we go, yeah, that that's great. But then when you have to live it, it's a bit of a different game, you know. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> so, which which builder were you at early points in mm -hmm. your life? Oh goodness! Well, I was definitely the foolish builder who did not know it. Mm. And so, my story, which I'm happy to take you back into parts of my story, is really that I thought I was building my life in the strongest possible way but I was doing it based on the things that the world tells us are going to stay standing. The world tells us things like, you know, you need a certain education. You want to find a certain type of relationship. Mm -hmm. You want to have a certain career opportunity. You want to be a certain kind of person. You know, you want to learn how to be liked and make money and work hard and all the things that no one of those things is bad. It's just not strong enough in the end. N none of that is strong enough in the end. And can I, let me, can I, yeah, I want to point out something because I think sometimes we can read that parable and go, okay, well, this person, uh, you know, they got addicted to drugs or they committed crimes mm -hmm. or they were really, you know, what society would deem, you know, a, a bad person or someone who was right. just unwise, certainly uh, unwise, certainly unwise. And we <laughs> yes. think, well, that's. <laughs> the sand that's the building on the sand what you're mm -hmm. suggesting though is no you were building on things that society would deem as good and worthy and stable 100%. and yes it wasn't yes i um so when i came early adulthood um i had everything that you would think would build a life that would stay standing mm -hmm. And what I did not see was because I wasn't basing my life upon Jesus and the word of God. And I even, I believed in God. I absolutely believed in God. And because I wasn't building my life on the reality of his kingdom and on the words that he says about 
how to be married, about how to be an employee, about how to give your money, like any, you name it. I wasn't actually practicing the word of God. And therefore my foundation had a bunch of cracks in it that I never even saw Hmm. because I was doing the things that the world would say were right. And Jesus might say, maybe some of those things are fine, but not without me at the bottom, not unless they're in response to my word. And that was just not, it was nowhere on my radar. And so I got myself into a situation where I had a, I had a corporate career that probably was beyond my level of character and maturity to handle, but I was very confident in myself. (laughs) And um, so I got into a situation where I missed some very obvious signs that I was heading down a path with trouble ahead. Mm. And pretty soon, I mean, I would have looked in the mirror a day before this and told you I would never do it, never. And I had an affair with somebody that I worked with. And it took everything down, everything. Sure. And yet I looked, I would have definitely told you 24 hours before it happened that I would never do it. And that was just yet another blind spot in my own character, in my own understanding of myself, in, you know, what actually makes you strong. Hmm. And um, I thought, I really thought I had, I really thought I had built my life the right way. So... When you when you reflect on on that, mm-hmm. um, do you view it as you know one flash moment of weakness or one you know lapse of judgment, or or do you really build do you really look at it as the 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 product of a, a pattern? You, you know what I'm saying? I do. I I absolutely look at it as the output of a pattern. Mm. Um, I began when I finally went to God because I I had come into a relationship with Christ at 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And I look back on that and I now, again, now I understand I have language for some of this stuff, but I didn't at the time. Mm -hmm. And now I know when you're his, you're his. And that was very real. My coming to Christ was very real. I was never not his. And so I view this um, time period in my life as Jesus truly coming to get me back. And I actually think about what he had to do to get me back. Hmm. And now I look at that time period in my life and I think he had to bring it all the way down to the foundation because I had built everything Hmm. on top of something that wasn't him. Hmm. And I think that's why this parable made so much sense to me, because had I tried to leave half a house standing, whether it was how I was doing marriage or how I was pursuing career, if any of that had stayed standing the way that it was, Mm. I never could have built anything real, anything good, anything strong again. Mm. So now when I look back and I think he came and got me in terrible pain and terrible darkness and he had to 
because we had to take it all the way down to the foundation and figure out again how to build. And for me, that meant everything. That meant a marriage, that meant a career, that meant friendship, that meant honesty with myself, that meant you know, maturity in how my character was being developed. I mean, it, it meant everything. And um, goodness, I look back and I think, how did, how did I, how did I get it so wrong mm -hmm. when I thought I was so right? Mm. And I think that's what we have these blind spots, which my heart for the book is to say like, hey, now is the day to look down. <laughs> right. And to go like, what's really down there? Yeah. And um, my breakthroughs with God have always been in moments of brutal honesty about that. I think truth between you and him in places and in ways that only you will ever know, those moments begin everything real, everything good. And so often we avoid those moments with God because we don't really want to be honest with ourselves. Well, uh, the the easy thing, and I think we're all guilty of this at, at some point, is to uh, compartmentalize our relationship with God. Yes, and and which is which is oh, I mean, in this realm, I, I mean, I really mm -hmm. love God. I am totally surrendered. It's just over mm -hmm. here. Let's not talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. it's that nakedness in the garden kind of thing where we want to just let's just hide that. You know, yes. and pretend like God can't see it, which is so just kind of stupid if you think about it. Um, but we we do that. How how critical was it that you learned to let go and surrender everything? It was everything. And, you know, I talk to people now that will say, well, I don't want to come to Jesus now that I'm desperate, as though that's a bad thing. <laughs> and I always say, I, do, I truly don't think he cares what the circumstances are. When you come to him, desperate or not, desperate or just being proactive, looking for connection, I, I think he loves when we come to him in honesty and we show up before him because that's when he can really begin to deal with us in truth and build something good and real in our life. And I think, you know, when I think about the three things that Jesus says before he tells that parable, come to me and hear my word and put it into practice. If you read further into the parable, you realize that the foolish builder, the one with the house that crashed in the storm, he heard the word. Hmm. And Jesus was standing in front of a bunch of people at the Sermon on the Mount, mixed crowd, huge crowd, and they had all come to hear him. So they had physically shown up. Mm. They were showing an interest in God. You could even say they were sitting in the pews on Sunday, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And he knew mixed into that crowd were people who brought their heart to him and people who never would bring their heart to him. Mm. He actually also then said to the Pharisees at one point, you search the scriptures because you think in them is, is life but you refuse to come to me. And so I think we over we overlook and almost devalue this act of truly bringing our whole self, our whole heart, the whole truth about us uh -huh. and dumping it at his feet. And sometimes we want to avoid the truth ourselves. Sometimes we don't want to pay the, the cost of doing yeah. that in our real life because yeah. believe me, my story is it was high cost. Yeah, yeah, and you 
<laughs> you kind of hate that, but if God's purpose, His will, is to conform us to to make us more like Christ, mm-hmm. uh, and you look at the, you know the high price that He paid to enable us to be able to do that, mm-hmm. it it changes the perspective a little bit, and as painful as it is, if you know that it, it it just it makes sense that it an eternal goal would be worth a short-term cost uh, as as tough as it is. Honestly, I look back on all the things that happened during that era of my life and I'm grateful. Mm. And I know how crazy that that sounds because I could also probably tear up mm. just thinking about some of the moments that were extremely painful in that. Yeah. But I look back on it with gratitude because I... I now understand with his wisdom, Mm -hmm. you know, over time that all the things that are good in my life, they have roots in that honest coming to Jesus. And it was truly then that I began to read the Bible again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say again, because again, I had this very authentic I would say it was truly a deep conversion experience when I was 16 years old. And I, I think it's, I look back on that and I, I think it fills me with joy because I think I was really never out of his grasp and I didn't even know it because his promise to us is he, he, he loses none that are his own, right? So he's coming for you. <laughs> I mean, and he will follow you in. I love I love Psalm 139 so much. It's like deep I connects deeply to my heart. And there is literally nowhere you can flee from him. Nowhere you can go that he would not come and get you. And that that was my experience. Some of the most beautiful, palpable experiences with a living God. I can vividly recall the beginning of that type of experience with God um, in this era of darkness in my life. And it didn't make any sense to me because I felt worthless. Mm. I felt, I felt worthless. I, I thought, why is he bothering with me? <laughs> I, okay. And go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and yet it's, it's a time where I was extremely open to him, where I truly experienced his presence in his life for the first time. Okay, I want to ask you a, a very important question about that, but real quickly, I want to show people the book, How to sure. Stay Standing by mm-hmm. Allie Patterson. It's available wherever you get books. You can also go to yep. her website at theallypatterson.com. There it is on the screen. Uh, and, and you can dive into this just to help unpack and understand this very important parable. But here's my question for you, Allie, because this mm-hmm. is a... Uh, this is a barrier for a lot of people, especially those of us who were raised in the church, who have, love Jesus, think we're maybe doing everything right. We've come to Jesus. We've heard his words. We think we're doing okay on the practice. But when we fail, we feel mm-hmm. like we can't. We can't go to him because we just messed up. Um, and because there's a lot of condemnation if, in the church, if we're yeah. honest. Uh, certain churches, not not all of them. I want to paint them all yeah. broad brush. What did you experience when you brought your failure, your junk, all your, just all your stuff, Mm -hmm. your mess to God? What, how were you received? 
Um, it was different between God and people. So I'll, I'll answer both of those. Okay, yeah. Um, well. I felt incredibly received by God. Hmm. I felt so loved in such a way that it confused me. Hmm. I, I didn't understand why would I feel welcome with him, but I felt he might have been the only place I felt welcome at that time. Mm. And what a beautiful statement about God, <laughs> that his people would be rejecting me while he was receiving me. I'm not the only one with that kind of story. Yeah. And um, it was a long time before I found somebody that would look me in the face and say, um, you're not only forgiven, there's life for you. And I did, he did eventually bring those people into my life, but I'll bet it was six months before I looked anybody in the face and I did not want to run to the church. Um, however, I do now see that the community that I now teach in, um, was probably the only one that I ever have experienced acceptance of fault and the grace that you receive from God, even in the midst of, even in the midst of honest to goodness, guilt, there's a difference between being, sometimes we feel guilty because we're guilty, mm -hmm. you know, and, and oh, we yeah. need someone to look, uh, look us in the face and say, stop. And sometimes, um, we go to that place of condemnation and shame which I didn't need people to tell me to be ashamed. Mm. I, I was plenty ashamed. Mm. I needed someone to look me in the face and say, you don't have to live a life of shame. And the church should be a place where that message is heard. Mm -hmm. And it's often not. And that's part of the reason that I tell my story. And I talk specifically about shame sometimes um, because removing shame was something very different than than being forgiven. Hmm. I knew I was forgiven a long time before I could get rid of the shame. Hmm. And we don't understand the power on both sides of a relationship to remove shame. Because if, if you will open your mouth and speak what's true and tell that painful thing that you want to hide, and if you do that with a person who can speak back to you, the power of God's word about grace and forgiveness, shame can't handle that. Shame will, will mm. have to go. Mm. And so we have power to help each other heal. And I, I'm afraid the church is sometimes not great at recognizing the difference between leave your life of sin, yeah. you know, and we need, that needs to be said. And I'm the first one to say that. Yeah. Leave your life of sin. You need to repent. And repent means stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then you need you need the powerful voices even louder. I had a seminary professor that said to me, if somebody is not questioning the way that you preach grace, then you're not going far enough. <laughs> Interesting. And I and I thought, oh yeah, I love that. Because we don't, we don't, we don't preach grace loud enough, not nearly as loud as God would have us preach yeah. it. Yeah. And it can't be devoid of the other, right? Jesus is that tension between truth and grace. He's all one and all the other. It's, right. 
Um, it's both. So I'm definitely not someone who would say the church should not be, should not be coming against the, just the utter darkness of a life of sin. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we need to hear stories of people who have left their life of sin and we need to be preaching new life and grace. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate the balance of you saying the the repentance is essential, not just, you know, probably good. It's critical. It's the only way I think to really must do. Yeah. It's, 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 that's the first step (laughs) and it's, it's changing your mind uh, Mm -hmm. and, and it's changing your direction. Uh, and it's agreeing with God on what is right and what is wrong. Yes. And that's how you start to to build. Now, I, we could keep going, but um, I won't keep you much longer. But I, I got to get to the <laughs> I got to get to the good part because <laughs> right. Um, since you have been, you know, conscientious of not just coming to Jesus and hearing what He says, but actually doing it. Mm-hmm. How has that house or life you've constructed mm-hmm. look look differently? Um, gosh, it's hard to it's hard to stop smiling <laughs> about the way that that looks and feels. Mm. You can't replace peace with God with anything else. You know, when when you're at peace with God, um, you know that. And there's no substitute for that. So as I began to to really understand, okay, so what does it look like, for instance, to build a marriage the way that God would have me build a marriage? So I had to confront very practical things like I was incredibly selfish in pursuing my own career mm. and above my husband's. Mm. That needs to be fixed. Like we need to have that conversation. I need to repent of some things. We need to get that worked out. And a great marriage is a race to the bottom. I shouldn't be looking to put myself above him. I should be looking to put myself below him. Mm. And so when I started to get a hold of how does the word really describe a a marriage, it changed how I treat my husband. It actually changed how I thought about my own career because we had come to where we lived because of what I wanted to do. Mm. And so those are some just some really practical ways from a marriage standpoint it started to change things. It also started to change how I communicate with other people. I grew up in a house where you, you said and did whatever you needed to say and do to save someone's feelings. And honesty was good, but not the highest value. And so I had to learn how do, how can I communicate? Because again, what does the word of God say? It, it holds us to truth as a standard, right? Just really simply. I remember like a six month period, Surely it might've been give or take a month or two. I don't want to be too like exact, but a good chunk of a year where I felt like all the Lord wanted me to do was practice telling the truth. First thing out of my mouth, (laughs) whatever it is, say the true thing. And so I had to learn again, some of these almost like elementary level basics. What does the word of God say? How about we just start with being honest? Mm. When somebody asks you a question, don't try to save their feelings. Tell them the truth. Mm. You know, so just really elementary things. But I was in I was in such an open posture to God. It radically changed my life. Mm. And 
and just like super elementary pieces. And I remember when I first gave 10% of my income, mm-hmm. it was another one of those, well, okay, God, I-, I can see this is what your word says. Pretty sure you mean it. <laughs> Wonder what'll happen if I just do that. <laughs> and I remember the first time I did that because what what I what I was seeking to do is stay in alignment with God because I so felt a sense of peace when I was aligned with him <laughs> yeah. and being obedient to him that I I would do anything to keep it because the rest of my life was in turmoil. Mm-hmm. And so I could so clearly feel where that peace was that I I would have done anything to keep it. And that's why I, I say in the book that I accidentally stumbled into the secret of being a disciple because um, what Jesus wants is for us to understand that with him, we really don't have anything to lose that our life will only make more sense, get better, deeper, stronger when we're in obedience to him as a disciple of his. But we're so afraid to lose things that we won't do it. And the truth is no moral high ground here. I had just lost about everything there was to lose. Yeah. yeah. And so I just started doing what he said. And now again, all these years later, I just need, I needed I needed a true north. I needed something to begin doing with my life that felt good and right. And I I found him in the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I know there's so much more to this, but I think what, what I appreciate the most is, the, well, the honesty, again, right? Uh, but also the encouragement for those who are, are still holding on to things or maybe who are in the middle of the falling apart aspect of, of, mm-hmm. of life to know that there is hope to know that it truly is better to, to let go of our own and embrace his and mm-hmm. also just the wisdom because we, we can go through scripture countless times and even verses that people know, and like and put on their walls if you read the context mm-hmm. it's attributed to obedience doing what jesus says you know the part where he says I, I i call you friends well he says that after he says because you done what i told do you do what you, i right, say right do right. what i say right you know <laughs> and and sometimes we can gloss over that mm-hmm. uh or we think we know what he says but then we go in and and where you read the scripture you go well that's not exactly what he says and one thing I've noticed is that we have, I, I have developed this and I've talked to the people and they go, yeah, I guess I have to, I have developed not even consciously thinking about it, but sort of this alternate Christianity. It, and I'll give you a quick example cause I, I do need to let you go, but this is, this is an important conversation. Like if someone, if, if someone treats me wrong, right. If they come out and they just make themselves enemies of me, right. They want to, mess me over they want to they're, they're not kind they're they're not even honest they're they're lying or they're whatever whatever it is i have developed this this idea well the christian response is just to put a nice barrier around myself and not let them in and not say bad things about them keep my mouth shut and that's not actually not what the bible says <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're laughing because it's like no it, not just pray for them because maybe i can throw up a prayer that isn't god kill mm-hmm. them 
but rather it's like, okay, God changed them. <laughs> you know, and, and I call that the mm -hmm. good one. But he says, no, bless them. Well, blessing requires action on my part to do mm -hmm. something I don't want to do. That's not natural. And so this, this whole alternate world of Christianity that I think some of us fall into, it is, it feels like it's solid building, but it's not the rock that Jesus mm -hmm. is said to build our lives on. And, and so you're, you're really demonstrating and pointing out and hammering home the point that no, you got to get to the real rock and you get to that by hearing, going to the scripture, hearing Jesus' words, and then actually doing it. That's the only way to get there. Yes. Did I summarize your book? <laughs> Absolutely. And the doing it, if I could just leave one final, one final bow on it, it would be the doing it. This is the gold because it overcomes, it will overcome all of our objections. It will overcome all of our fears. It will overcome all of our hangups it, because what we end up doing is we end up amassing this evidence that God is real, that he's good, mm. that his word is true, that he's for us. Mm. And the real, real deal is that your safety and security, the life that you want to build, it isn't about everything turning out right. It isn't about confidence in holding on to the things that you want. It's about building confidence in him, yeah. no matter the outcome. Yeah. And so if we will do it, and sometimes the outcomes are good and sometimes the outcomes are bad, but the adventurous, the risky, the living life part is you will gain the evidence of a living God that is wildly for you, <laughs> no matter what the circumstances of, of that situation turn out to be. And so for me, that's the most beautiful part is if we can risk doing something that he says to do, despite our own objections, <laughs> we will end up, um, we will end up loving him because we'll end up knowing him. Mm. And pretty soon, um, nothing else will do. And you end up going, how, how did I, how did I get here? Now he's really all I can trust. He's all I want. He's, and you know, it's, it is that process just over and over again. As I come to him in truth, I try to understand to the best of my ability, what does his word say that's relevant to my life in this way. And then I seek as again, we're all flawed as best I can to actually practice that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we end up slowly becoming a real follower. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's how you stay standing. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you so much. This has been really good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. Appreciate your time, your insight, and, and we encourage people to pick up the book. Uh, is it, did Thank we you. cover it all? I know you got a podcast coming out later in February or something or next month. Once. I do. Yeah. yeah. You can find, um, you can find teaching and then the podcast, um, the church that I am a part of that I serve at is called Crossroads Church out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And then, yeah, you can find my book and pretty soon a podcast and it's going to be a podcast full of hope. Good. And, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with any of you. So thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. And if you want to connect with Allie, check out her website. It looks just like this. Uh, the URL is the Allie Patterson, A-L-L-I Patterson.com. So do check that out. And of course you can pick up the book that's available now, how to stay standing. It will encourage you and it will push you deeper into a foundation uh, that will 
last. So do check that out. Appreciate all you guys hanging out. Hit share, hit like, subscribe, follow. I've got more encouragement, more some entertainment coming up. I've got some pretty entertaining things on the schedule. Uh, and, and just hopefully, you know, something to help you stand uh, and build your life on a biblical foundation. So please come back. I'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Some people get enthusiasm. They imagine it's the Holy Spirit. They want to live the way they want to live and have the Holy Spirit as a bit of uh, something extra. The Holy Spirit must be Lord.